Hi, thanks for listening to Him We Proclaim. Today, John Fonville starts a new series called The Gospel Mystery of Sanctification. John understands the Christian life and how discouraging it can feel at times. Today, he asks, how do we keep God's will so that it doesn't feel oppressive and exasperating, but instead pleasant and joyful? Many Christian authors have wrestled with that big question, haven't they? Well, over the next several weeks, John will be walking us through this very helpful topic. So let's get started with his first message in a series he's calling The Gospel Mystery of Sanctification. Here's John now with part two. You can sum up the book of Titus, which is this, is chapter one, verse one. It is the gospel which is according to godliness. Godliness is a God-centered life that manifests itself in godly living, which godliness comes from the book of Proverbs. God-fearing, God-centeredness. This is what the gospel produces. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says, how the gospel empowers God's people to live a godly life. He says in chapter 2, beginning in verse 11, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. So immediately that tells us that grace, what is the grace of God, this free work of God's grace? It is a person. It is the person and work of Jesus Christ. That's what the grace of God teaches us. You, we, we might call this passage in Titus with Christ in the school of grace. And so the gospel Paul teaches us brings a double blessing. It brings the forgiveness of sin, which is justification, and it brings us the powerful holiness, which is sanctification. This is what Augustus Toplady, who was an Anglican pastor and hymn writer, captured in his famous hymn, Rock of Ages, and we sing that hymn in this church. Listen to this, listen to what he wrote. He says, Rock of Ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Let the water in the blood from thy riven side which flowed, listen, be of sin the double cure. Save me from its guilt and power. In salvation, we don't receive a half Christ. We don't receive a half Christ who saves us from the guilt of our sin, but then leaves us to save, that is, sanctify ourselves from the power of sin. Christ is not divided. You cannot have a half a Christ In salvation, we receive a whole Christ who saves us from the guilt and power of sin, who justifies us and who sanctifies us, and we trust him to do both. Christ forgives me of my guilt, and he washes me from my filth and impurity. And so what we must learn to do and what we're going to learn in this series to do is to learn to trust Christ to save you not only from sin's guilt, but from sin's power. Trust him to save you from the dominion of Satan, Paul writes in Colossians 1.13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. He has done this. We must trust him for this. And he has conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Trust Christ to give you this new spiritual frame of mind to do these things. And when you trust Christ for the salvation of the guilt and the power of your sin, this is what begins to happen in your heart. 
the love of Christ in the gospel will begin to compel you to live for Christ and to die to your sin. This is what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through 15. He says, for the love of Christ compels us. It's a powerful image. The love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died, and, and he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves. He died for you to purchase you so that you would no longer live for yourself. Remember, love of neighbor, great commandment. We're, we're loving our neighbor. We're learning to love our neighbor. We're learning to look outside of ourselves to our neighbor. Jesus died so that you should live no longer for yourself, but rather live for him who died for you and rose again. And so only the gospel can empower obedience. Only the gospel is essential for growth and holiness. And so the great theme of Walter Marshall's message as it came into his book, which is the theme of scripture, is this. Christians grow in obedience by the power of the gospel. You grow in obedience by the power of the gospel. You don't grow in obedience by your own strength. Listen, it is by means of the gospel and faith that the Holy Spirit brings you and me into union with Christ. And his spirit then begins to work in us both to will and to do for his good pleasure. And so our, our Christian growth, our sanctification, our obedience, our pursuit of holiness, it flows from this union with Christ. It is not flowing from our own efforts to just gin it up and do it. When it comes to sanctification, that people tend to fall into two errors. One of these errors that people fall into is legalism. And what they do when it comes to sanctification is they place their own efforts, their works, their obedience at the center of their sanctification, and they usurp the work of Christ and the Holy Spirit. And they think that by doing something, they are sanctifying themselves, but they're not. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about to make this real for you because this is helpful to you. John Piper, in his book, Future Grace, he writes this, quote, he says, I am hard-pressed to imagine something more important for our lives than fulfilling the covenant that God has made with us for our final salvation. If you think you can do that, you're toast. I want you to listen very carefully. Good works, the pursuit of holiness, your covenant keeping, your obedience to God's moral will, however you want to label it, is never instrumental in your salvation. What you do is not instrumental in your salvation. I want you to listen to Walter Marshall as he explains this from his book. He says, holiness is not a means to an end. Holiness is not the instrumental means by which you achieve salvation. That's what he's saying. Holiness is not a means to an end. Your good works do not save you. Rather, holiness is part of the end itself. You are saved in order to do good works. 
which God prepared in advance that you should walk in them, Ephesians 2, verse 10. Good works do not achieve salvation. Good works are the fruits and results of saving faith. The only thing instrumental in your salvation is your faith, which is a gift given by the Holy Spirit on the basis of grace alone. Faith is the instrumental means of our salvation. That is the means by which we come into union with Christ and all of his saving benefits, justification and sanctification. So that's the first error that is common that people fall into. Second, the other error is license. People fall into license. They think that since grace and forgiveness are free, it doesn't matter how they live. There's no need to keep this this law, and so they deny what's called the third use of the law. We see this rampant also in particular types of celebrity pastors who fall and and then bring themselves back and appoint themselves to plant a new church and then go and, and, and deny the third use of God's law. But you see, in our pursuit of holiness, we have to avoid both errors because both errors misunderstand the gospel. The gospel of grace is the power for holiness. And through faith in Christ, you are forgiven. You are justified. Through faith in Christ, you are being made holy. You are being sanctified. And you're trusting Christ for both. The gospel gives us Jesus who saves us from the guilt of our sin and from the power of our sin. And as Augustus Topway, he said in his hymn, these are the double benefits. These are the double blessings. This is what Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse 5. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. That's not like, okay, so now get me 10 ways to abide in Christ so I can bear fruit. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's just making a statement of fact. If you don't abide in me, you can't bear fruit. You can't do anything. Just a statement of fact. It's not like, okay, abide in me. Okay, give me 15 practical tips for abiding this week so I can bear fruit. That's not what Jesus is saying here. You come into union with Christ through the gospel and faith that the Holy Spirit works this in you and unites you to Christ by the instrument of faith alone, not by your good works. And growth and holiness then flows from our union with Christ. And this is what Walter Marshall calls the gospel mystery of sanctification. Listen to what he, what is this gospel mystery of sanctification? He's going to tell you, tell us, listen. He says, now that you are in union with Christ, Christ begins to impart his godly nature to you. He says, in other words, you do not produce a godly nature yourself out of yourself. Rather, you take this godly nature to yourself by receiving it from Christ. Through fellowship with Christ, you begin to receive this holy frame of mind, which is in Christ himself. This is such a great mystery, it is difficult to understand, and it is. Listen, Our union with Christ is a great mystery. The Apostle Paul, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, he calls our union with Christ a great mystery. He says, quote, he says, this is a great mystery, but I'm speaking concerning Christ in the church. The scriptures are filled with mysteries. Let me give you a couple. The mystery of the Holy Trinity. You have the union of three persons in one Godhead. 
Jesus is the great mystery. You have in Jesus, listen, you have the union of the divine and human natures in one person. Jesus is the great mystery, Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. He says, by common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. He who was revealed in the flesh was vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Jesus is the great mystery of godliness. And Jesus, all the fullness of the Godhead, was pleased to dwell bodily within the person of Jesus. That's astounding. Listen, think about it like this. You have the fertilized egg by the power of the Holy Spirit in the womb of the Virgin Mary. He was an embryo. He was an infant that was born and was laid in an animal feeding trough. He was a little boy that grew up into manhood. He was the one who bore all of our sins upon the cross. He was buried. He was raised again on the third day for our justification, Paul says in Romans 4. He has ascended bodily to the Father's right hand where he lives and reigns with all authority for all eternity forevermore. And that is the great mystery, this great mystery that God acted through physical means to accomplish spiritual wonders. And listen very carefully. God still does accomplish spiritual wonders through physical means today. It's through the preaching of the gospel and the administration of the sacraments of water, bread, and wine in the church. Through the preaching of the gospel, the Holy Spirit, Paul says, and you've heard this a million times in our church in 2 Corinthians 4, the Holy Spirit, through the preaching of the gospel, effects ex nihilo creation. He creates faith out of nothing. He creates faith in you as a gift, and, and through this gift of faith, he brings you into union with Christ and all of Christ's saving benefits, which is justification and sanctification. And then through the administration of the sacraments week after week, through baptism and through the Lord's Supper, Holy Eucharist, the Holy Spirit confirms and strengthens your faith by, listen, bringing you through this table and through that water into a closer, strengthened union with Christ. And so then the source of holy living is the gospel mystery of union with Christ. I'm going to show you in weeks ahead how, how this works out and how this fleshes out. But let me give you a preview in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 where the Corinthians were run amok in sexual immorality and sin in the church. Do you know what Paul does to clean up their sexual immorality? He points them to the gospel mystery of their union with Christ to produce holiness in their life. We'll come back to that. But growth and holiness flowing from our union with Christ is a mystery. Why is this a mystery? Because we commonly think, Marshall says, that we have to get a holy state by producing it ourselves. Again, as John Piper says, you want to get a holy state and have final salvation? Keep the covenant. You're doomed if you, th- if you are doomed if you think that is the way you're going to get there. No hope. No hope. The natural man's way of thinking 
is that I have to produce this holy state myself and I have to work it out in my own heart. But if you're a Christian, you are in Christ and Christ is in you by the Holy Spirit. And in Romans chapter six, when this accusation of license arises because, oh, you're justified by grace through faith in Christ alone and God just, you sin a lot and God freely forgives your sin. Romans chapter six, Paul being dogged by these Judaizers accusing him of preaching license. How does Paul respond to this accusation of license? He responds by saying, time out, you've misunderstood the gospel, so let's back up to first principles, and let me tell you the gospel again this way, and he points believers in Romans 6 to refute license to the truth of union with Christ. Listen to what he says. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Certainly not. In other words, no way. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, that's union with Christ right there, were baptized into his death. Therefore, and you remember last week was the sermon, therefore. So here's the therefore. We have been brought into union with Christ. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, which he's referring to the cross of Christ, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, a new creation. And so again, we have to remind ourselves that sanctification is the work of God's free grace. And by God's work of free grace in our lives, he is renewing us in our whole being so that we can be brought into the conformity of the image of God once again that we lost in the fall, that he is enabling us day after day to die to our sin and day after day to learn to live more and more under righteousness. And so this whole process of renewal is not because of our work, but because of the work of God's free grace. We are enabled to die to sin, not because we're working, because he's working. Listen, we are enabled to live unto righteousness. Paul, Titus 2, because the grace of God is teaching and empowering me to live after holiness. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, We work because it is God who works in us both to will and to do for his good pleasure. You see that? We work. Why? Because God's work of free grace is working in me through the power of the Holy Spirit, listen, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. And so what is our obedience? What is our pursuit of holiness? What is our uh, law-keeping? It isn't the means for final salvation. What it is is this. 
It is the fruit of our sanctification and the sanctification which is the work of God's free grace. My good works are simply the fruit of my sanctification. It is not my sanctification. Do you understand that? You have to get that. Your good works is not your sanctification. It is the fruit of your sanctification, which is the work of God's free grace in you to produce that. Do you see the difference? And so as we reflect this morning on the gospel and mystery of sanctification, I'm gonna leave you with two words of encouragement as we finish from Marshall. First of all, listen to this carefully. Don't think that you're unworthy to have such a great gift as union with Christ because of your failures. Do you know what shame does to people? It makes them hide. It makes them avoid church. And it cripples them in the pursuit of obedience and holiness in their life. It isolates. If your life is filled with crippling shame, you know where you need to flee to? The visible church. That's what it's for. But if the enemy can get you to hide in your shame, you're toast. Listen to what Walter Marshall says. He says, you might think that you're unworthy to have such a great gift as union with Christ. Remember, however, Christ shed his precious blood to redeem you. That precious blood will enable you to miraculously advance in holiness through your union with Christ. Union with Christ is not a privilege you earn by your sincere obedience or by your attempts at holiness. Your union with Christ is not a reward of your own good works. Rather, union with Christ is a privilege that God gives to every Christian when they first become a Christian. Right when you enter into the kingdom of God, you also enter into union with Christ. This union with Christ is the foundation for all of your obedience to God. All good works as a Christian flow out of your union with Christ. All of your sincere obedience to the law is the fruit of your union with Christ. That's why you must come to the visible church where you receive Christ's sacraments which confirm and strengthen your faith so that fruit will flow from that faith. So that's the first. Second, here's the second word of encouragement. You will never be made perfect in holiness in this life, but don't despair because of it. You will never stop sinning until Jesus comes back or you take your last breath and go see Jesus first. You are going to sin as a justified, being sanctified, spirit-indwelt, regenerated believer for the rest of your life. But do not despair about that. Listen to what Marshall said to his church. He says, you are more sinful than you can imagine. So today, <laughs> if you think, God, you know, I mean, I've really blown it. I've got some deep-seated sin, and I've really blown it. You're worse than that. You are more sinful than you can imagine. The doctrine of original sin is true. You cannot reform your flesh. You cannot become a better person by your own strength, no matter how hard you try. He says, but cheer up. 
if you are a Christian, you have come into union with Christ, and through faith in Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Through faith in Jesus Christ, you are sanctified and made holy. Through Christ, you are a new creation. The Holy Spirit lives in you. Therefore, because of the negatives of the gospel, therefore, pursue the life of faith in Christ with all diligence. Amen. You see that? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for this uh, word of comfort that you give to us. Thank you that through union with Christ, this holy life that is required of us flows out of us by him imparting his nature in us and through us. Thank you that you do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. So I pray that you would encourage our hearts by grace today. And through this grace, make us zealous for good works. We pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks, John. The title of today's message is called The Gospel Mystery of Sanctification, Part 2. More from the series coming up next time. The mission of Him We Proclaim is to bring you the gospel of good news each weekday. And it's our prayer that your heart will be filled with joy and a clear understanding of the gospel and God's word. If you want to hear a past broadcast, check out our podcast in iTunes or download our app. Just search for Dr. John Fonville in iTunes or Google Play. Him We Proclaim is a broadcast of Dr. John Fonville. If you would like to visit Pastor John's church in Jacksonville, Florida, you're always welcome. You can find out more at ParamountChurch.com. Thanks for listening and join us next time 